solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today. Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. It's time to reimagine therapy and what it means to be a therapist. We are human beings who can now present ourselves as whole people with authenticity, purpose, and connection, especially now when therapists must develop a personal brand to market their practices. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with my co-host, Katie Vernoy. Today, we're joined by James Gay. He is an LMFT in West Hollywood, California. James, thank you for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. We have known James for a couple of years just through our local networking and some of the work in the therapist community that we've done. Uh, it's always a pleasure when we have friends of the show join us here. So I really appreciate what you two are doing on this podcast. I've listened to all but one of your episodes and it's just so cool because it's it's like it's real it's like uh, therapists, thanks, yeah you know like uh, the face of and and the you know it's not just the skeleton it's the muscle mm-hmm. the meat of who we are and how we tick so I, I just really appreciate that uh, what's your big mission what are you putting out into the world tell us about your practice about what all the work that you're doing give us give us the rundown on who James is well I, like you too I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist I've been in private practice for 18 years now and my mission in life is really to create more understanding and compassion in the world no small feat but something mm-hmm. uh, you know that I'm very passionate about uh, you know what what inspires me as a therapist is seeing clients transform from being you know perfectionistic constantly on the go, feeling empty despite their successes, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. to a place where they can finally truly relax, create a better work-life balance and be more kind to themselves and others. So that's kind of what inspires me to get up in the morning and go to mm-hmm. the office and, and do the work that we do. You talk about struggling with things uh, surrounding perfectionistic ideas. and. Sure. Given your history, I, I know uh-huh. that you started in a, in a very perfectionistic sport. Uh, uh-huh. Tell us a little bit about how you got from there to here. Yeah, I mean, my, it, it's it's funny when uh, our clientele seek us out for the very thing that we've had to work on in life. Oh right? yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> It's like a, a nice mirror there. <laughs> We're all mirrors of each other at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I both had sort of a childhood sort of perfectionistic outlook from being a preacher's kid, you know, and oh, wow. sort of portray a particular ethos or, you know, particular mm-hmm. way of being. Um, but also, yeah, I was in the sport of gymnastics. So the perfect 10, when yeah. it used to be a score of 10, you know, was is all about sort of the minutia of not just performing the skill, but pointing your toes and being in alignment and making it look pretty and dynamic. And it it was sort of this far-reaching thing that you could never fully capture because there are six events and Mm -hmm. (laughs) life happens and the 
skill sets that are required are just so, you know, at a high level. So yeah, it's something that I certainly faced and struggled with and through my own process, learned ways to be much more compassionate and expansive and free, mm-hmm. you know, still sort of pursuing, you know, excellence, but doing it from a place of not feeling like I have to make up for some deficit or something like that. So that's part of what inspires me to work with clients in this, in this area. Yeah. It seems like there was quite a journey there from kind of the perfect perfectionistic childhood to where you are now. And it seems like some of that has really led to you using your voice Mm. to not just be a therapist and just is not maybe the right word, but to be an activist, to be someone who's standing up and saying a lot about how to be open and compassionate and accepting of people, all the ways that we show up in the world. And so how did you get to that place where you could actually use your voice so powerfully? And also, how does it impact your, your clinical work? You know, it's funny. I didn't set out to be an activist. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and the first time I heard myself referred to as a gay activist, I was like, oh, is, is <laughs> am I doing what it takes? Is that a thing? Is that, what, is that what I'm doing? <laughs> The more I looked at it, the more I was like, oh, well, thank you. It wasn't used as a, you know, (laughs) promoting me as a gay activist, but I was like, okay, I'll take that on. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it really is inspired by wanting to help others that are, you know, within my own community, but outside of my community Mm -hmm. that are disenfranchised, that are oppressed, that are scapegoated by society at large. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it started, you know, very small, sort of just doing it with people I knew you know, standing mm-hmm. up for people. I can remember being five years old and being an ally to other kids in the class that were bullied or picked on or elected and, and being like, I, I don't like that. That doesn't feel right to yeah. me. It was, you know, to a place where as, you know, learning to be a therapist and, you know, seeing opportunities to do it with colleagues and in grad school and uh, with my professional association and those kinds of things. I think that was kind of the training ground ways for me. And then sort of saying yes to opportunities that were coming my way in, in terms of having greater visibility. It's, it's been a process. Learning, I'm still learning and growing. And, and that's the, the beauty of the work that we do is it's, you know, we're, we're hopefully learning from birth till death. <laughs> in working with James over the last few years, and this has been not just in interpersonal relationship, but through some of the professional organizations that James has interacted with us through, we have definitely noticed James pushing a lot more for an equal treatment of a number of different populations. He brought up being a gay activist before, but James has really brought around a lot of social justice issues to the awareness of a number of organizations. Mm -hmm. Even when some of the ethical codes don't necessarily call for that social justice aspect, you are really embracing this idea that therapists need to step outside of their office and to speak up and to speak out. How do you see that responsibility of therapists to go above and beyond? Well, I think we need to talk about things things that matter to clients and to the mm-hmm. public at large, right? If we're just talking, you know, within our own bubbles and using psychological terminology and it doesn't resonate and that's what can make us obsolete as a profession. So really to remain relevant, to, to be visible and more importantly, to contribute to a society at large. Again, you know, my mission to create a more compassionate society. I think we need to be talking about things that are in the public discourse, right? Mm-hmm. So these are things like the sexual harassment and you know, violence that's happening in the workplace, both in the political environment 
environments and in entertainment industry. It's just all kinds of stuff that matter to people. And I think when we do that, we not only market ourselves and people get to know us and who we are, but we get to change lives. And that's what we're all about. That's why we got into the profession usually. <laughs> I think that I like that you, you added both that we market ourselves because if we're not talking about these things, we're not explaining to folks how we can be of assistance as therapists. But you're also talking about really being a resource because in truth, the best marketing is sh showing yourself as the resource that this person needs to purchase at that, this time. But mm -hmm. I love that it, it has the authentic flavor, the mission-driven flavor of I have this to offer and I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to put it out there when it's needed. I'm going to interact in the, the public discourse around important topics because people are hurting and we need to help them. Right, right. I think it's pivotal. And, and we have so many various different ways with technology and social media. And we can mm -hmm. use sort of the, the privileges that we have as people who have been able to afford and spend the time and, and money to invest in graduate school and beyond mm -hmm. to becoming licensed. And, you know, we have we have a particular perspective as therapists that I think is really, really valuable to just the, the disconnect and the, the violence that's happening in the mm -hmm. world right now. I've been around you when you've been a lightning rod to certain populations. <laughs> oh, yeah. And these have been, you know, something that I've always commended you on as far as standing up with grace and being able to handle that with dignity. Mm. Has that ever crept over into your clinical practice of mm. kind of detracting from the clinical work that you're able to do? Or enhancing it, actually. I mean, first, let me just give an example of what you're talking about. Mm. Sure. <laughs> My first meeting on the board as a board member of the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists. Um, unbeknownst to me, there were a bunch of conversion therapists that came to the meeting, just ripped me to shreds. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Because of my advocacy work and, and bringing light to the harms of conversion therapy, of people trying to change someone's sexual orientation or gender identity to becoming straight or cisgender. And so I had had lots of conversations with them via listservs and emails and even mm -hmm. on the phone for some of them. But this was the first time that they'd actually sort of gone after the jugular and it was personal, right? Oh, wow. Mm. Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy-to-use software, they now also offer group telehealth, up to 15 clients in a group session at a time, and secure messaging features. And with their 24-7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you. Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. So you were sitting there in a board meeting ready to just do your service as a board right. member yeah. and you got attacked. First meeting. Uh Absolutely. First meeting oh my gosh. before I even said a word, before the meeting even really started. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> certainly, you know, has an effect and is difficult to do. I'm trying to think of other examples in my practice. Oh, actually, one was several years ago, probably, I don't know, 15 years ago or so. I was in a session with a client and working with LGBTQ youth in an mm -hmm. agency. And he brought up that he had Googled me. <laughs> and asked how I felt at, about a particular website that was created about me. And I didn't know about this website. So I was oh like, my oh, gosh. sure, what you're talking about? And, you know, so he described what it was 
all about. And apparently there was like this little thing scrolling across the top of the screen saying, please pray for James's salvation. And, oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and, wow. And then he told me that my brother had created it. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm hearing all of this for the first time in session, my sacred space. Mm. Clients. And I'm like, well, what do I do with this information? <laughs> How can I both like have my own response, but also be there and prioritize my work with clients? So it was, it was probably one of the most difficult experiences I've had in that moment just to really like, okay, I'm going to address my reaction and my, my, mm-hmm. my you know, stuff more fully at a later time. So being really genuine with the client that I hadn't known about it and how was this for them that they saw this about mm-hmm. me, you know? Mm-hmm. So then after, of course, the meeting, I just bursted into tears and got the support of colleagues and friends and stuff. But that was one of the ways that it sort of infiltrated the, the clinical work in a negative way. In positive ways, clients sort of Googling me now or seeing information about the work that I've done and being inspired or actually seeking me out because they feel like I I get what they've been through from kind of an insider's perspective. Yeah, lots of examples across the board. But yeah, it sounds like it really is something where in the work that you're doing in the people who are Googling you and seeing that you're a member of their community or their member, you're a member of you understand it from an insider's point of view. What is that like? I mean, how is that? How does that part living in, in your own community and working within your own community? How does that? What are the ramifications of that? I guess? Well, it's a small world. It does feel like even though I'm in LA, and in West Mm -hmm. Hollywood that it's sort of like living in a small town. Clients of mine at my gym, at the grocery store, Mm -hmm. at the Starbucks, wherever, just walking around and being. I think it's become much more natural now. It's something I bring up in the very first session with clients. If we run into each other, feel free Mm -hmm. to reach out and say hi or not, depending on your comfort level or mood or whatever. I won't take it personally. But it also, I think in some ways, helps them see that I'm real. I have a sense of humor and who I am in session is who I am outside of session that oftentimes they might want to know very specific things about me that may or may not be therapeutically appropriate. But one mm-hmm. of the things that I let them know is that they get to know me, my beingness, probably much more than certain colleagues or acquaintances um, just through the work that we do. So, you know, it's not like I put on this hat where I'm like, okay, now I'm <laughs> in the clinical realm. Here's my clinical tie, my therapist yeah. answer. It's who I am inside is who I am outside. And so that I think that eases any kind of tension that would otherwise be there. That makes sense. It seems like there's a certain amount of kind of the professional and the personal interplay. And there's a a boundary that's set where you're not so different out in the world that you need to hide something when you come into the therapy room. And I think that it feels more authentic to me to be that way too. I think being able to be yourself in all the spaces with the appropriate boundaries so that private life stays private. I think it it really is quite freeing, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it can become fluid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially as you put yourself out there more and more, James is he light years ahead of us as far as his online presence and YouTube <laughs> videos and other podcasts. He's done where it does put it out to a lot more of a broad audience than even just the small physical community that you live in, but to the much larger digital community as well. Well, and it's interesting. It's been a process because the first time I was on a TV show, I really, and you know, I was asked to share my personal history and traumas and, you know, growing mm. up experiences and all mm. that kind of stuff. It was something I really had to think long and hard about of like, okay, I'll do this 
if nobody else is willing or interested. It wasn't like mm-hmm. I was jumping at the opportunity, but I was willing to step up. But even in the moment, I remember certain moments where I was like, okay, I know that clients could potentially see this or hear this. Mm-hmm. How can I both be authentic, respect the impact that this might have on various different clients and also be real? It was a lot to try and make sense of in a split second. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, since that time, talking to colleagues and working it out and hearing responses from clients, it's just something that I think we need to be aware of and sensitive to, but also not self-censor ourselves too much or be sort of rigid about. That was one of the first things that I saw about you before I met you in person was I think that the conversation or the the interview about your own personal experiences, and there's a lot of your story in there. And so it's kind of now out in public view. Maybe not all of your clients have seen it, or maybe not all of your clients were impacted by it if they have, but how does that feel? I mean, it seems like that's pretty vulnerable to have so much of yourself out there and so much of your history out there. And does it impact your clients? Have you had conversations with your clients about your own story? It's one of those things where part of how I see healing taking place and sort of leading the pathway is by recognizing that there's strength and vulnerability. Just because we name things that have happened to us doesn't mean that we're less than, that we're not capable, that we, just because we struggle at times doesn't mean that we can't be psychologically or emotionally healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our profession, we're intimate for a living in many ways. Yeah. In some ways, I, I kind of see it as modeling the best of that. We don't have to hide in places of shame. We can name what's happened to us and that there's a real sense of self-empowerment that when we speak our truth with love, with conviction, with care, that it's a very powerful force for healing and change. I think those are the kinds of conversations I've had with the clients I've talked to about it, where they get to sort of reclaim their history and their perspective and their truth, seeing you know that I've done very similar things. Yeah, I mean, it's truly living by example, but I think it would probably even inspire some folks to come work with you because they do know that you've walked that path before. Marketers talk about it as your woe to win story. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just life. We all have hardships and challenges and and how we navigate those. And doing our own internal work is a huge Mm -hmm. part of that. So, you know, beyond grad school, beyond continuing education, some of the best learning I've had as a therapist is being a client myself of Mm -hmm. long-term work and really going deep and being self-reflective and constantly learning and growing and being curious. So that's certainly what I advocate with clients as well. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
As you've become involved with the therapist community over the last several years and gotten to know a lot of therapists, what kind of mistakes do you see therapists making or where do you see as a field that our biggest growth opportunities are? Um, well, there's several. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How long do we have? Is that Nine the question hour. you're asking? <laughs> Is this a venting session here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one is a certain level of fear, a fear of taking a stance of, you know, I'm reminded of the quote by Howard Zinn, uh, where it's actually the name of it, one of his books, you can't be neutral on a moving train. The concept mm. that life is moving forward, people are being violated, attacked, oppressed. And if we just sit by the sidelines and watch it happen, in some ways, we're giving consent or we're implicit in mm -hmm. the, the damage that's happening. So I think it's essential for not only us as individual therapists, but for our professional organizations that represent us to be taking very strong stances about what we know causes harm and damage. The constant racial trauma that people of color have to face, right? The constant mm -hmm. sort of sexism and misogyny that women, in particular women of color, in particular transgender women of color, have to face. Naming these groups, all too often I hear from professional organizations that, you know, we need to be all inclusive. It's a little bit like all lives matter sort of rhetoric where, mm. you know, and what's missing is the recognition that certain demographics are targeted. And to name that is a powerful change agent and it's necessary and it's important. I'd say that that's one of the missing components is just recognizing it's 2017. We can't be merely blank slates. That's not something that is as sought after or permissible in this climate. And it's, it's not something that's relatable. So for our profession to continue, we really need to be making a stand and standing up for and being good allies. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying really is that us being there to pick up the pieces is no longer sufficient. We need to actually take action to try to, to shift things, be more preventive, to comment on what's happening in the world, and that you're seeing that that's an area of growth for not just individual clinicians, but for professional organizations. Exactly. Yeah, I would love to prevent people coming into my office talking about their conversion therapy experiences mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. else, right? I, there's plenty in life, plenty of hardships and pain to deal with. We don't mm -hmm. need adding to the equation. And the more that we can and advocate for our clients or with our clients or raise their voices through our voices or it's part of that healing work. What are some other things that you see? Being technologically savvy or hiring people to do that for us. Mm -hmm. There's so many different mediums that we can use right now. Podcasts, audio like you're doing right now, yeah. video, blogs, just so many different ways of connecting to people on a daily basis and globally, really. And so I think in general, therapists tend to be a little bit behind the curve <laughs> to technology. And so, you know, there's places like lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com, where you can learn about using different platforms, or you can hire people to help you do that. But again, it's about not just having therapists speak, but it's mm -hmm. about using the language of our clients and reaching them where they're at, what they want to hear, what they want to know about. It's talking about what their pain is, their suffering is on a level that they can relate to and talking about solutions that can help them enjoy their lives more, really. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much that we can do to reach a larger audience and 
from the way you're describing, it's really about helping. I mean, in truth, it's about saving lives, but it's also about improving the quality of life for people that we may never meet. And we have the opportunity to do that now. And a lot of therapists are, and a lot of people aren't using their experience and knowledge to support this kind of healing and personal growth. Well, and I also think it's partly about owning the similarities and differences between mental health professionals, right? So I mm-hmm. hear a lot of LMFTs talk about how confused the title of our licenses as mm-hmm. marriage and family therapists, right? And I certainly appreciate that. And to let the public know that we not just do couples, marriage and family and child counseling, but we also work with individuals, but also to promote the fact that we're MFTs, to talk about how we more than any other license have a relational lens that we can have yeah. a systemic approach and the, an advantage that we have if you hire us. Knowing that LCSWs have sort of a more societal, maybe feminine feminist approach to looking at how society impacts individual health and well-being. That's their strong suit. Mm -hmm. Um, So each sort of license has their particular things that they bring to the table. And I think that that's an important distinction to the public know about as well. One of the questions that I get asked a lot when I'm coming up with several projects or even in launching this or any of the various other endeavors that I do is where do I get all of my energy? And (laughs) I look at everything that you're doing and we talk about the pushback that you might get in some areas. Where do you find the energy, the resilience <laughs> coming back and doing this day yeah. after day? <laughs> well, it's a very, very good self-care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I work out almost every day, at least to stretch or to move a little bit. I walk to and from my office. I'm one of those oddballs in LA that gets to I'm very grateful for that. I thought nobody walked in LA. I know. <laughs> no, it's great. It's also about when you need to, reaching out for support, having your own therapy. Mm-hmm. But it's being aware of where your energies are going. Mm-hmm. It's not just about producing, producing, producing. It's about being smart about what things you accept, what things you go after, what connects to your mission in life and your core mm-hmm. values, mm-hmm. right? And doing those kinds of things. Because I think if we're doing that, it's re-energizing. It keeps it going versus fizzling us out or burning us out. So mm-hmm. there, there have definitely been times when I've recognized certain activities I need to pull back from because it's either become toxic or just not a really good use of my time. So being able to say no when I need to and have those limits and boundaries is really important to allow me to say yes and really invest invest myself in projects that I agree to. That's so great. That is exactly, I think, how Kurt and I try to do things, but we also have a little bit of the shiny object syndrome, so we're working on it. <laughs> but I uh, loved how you- We're all a work in process here. We're all, we are all works in progress. So yeah, I think it's it's something where I love that you said that. It just it, It's so important for all of us to hear that because really being able to align our work with our mission mm-hmm. makes it very energizing and mm-hmm. definitely being able to say no is so important when yeah, things are no longer serving you, so- I love that. James, where can people find you online to learn more about your practice and about the works that you're doing? My website has it all. So nice. <laughs> if they, they go to livingmorefully.com, they can look at blog posts and videos and podcasts and all those kinds of things. I'm going to be producing a lot more in the beginning of the year in terms of a bunch of different series and podcasts and some more videos and stuff. But I'm on social media, Facebook, Twitter, but really focusing on Instagram right now, all that again, is on my website. So that's the, the go-to place for all that stuff. Well, make sure to put your website and, and the things that you've mentioned onto our show notes so people can check that out there. And check out our social media 
media and visit our website, mtsgpodcast.com. We're really excited about the Therapy Reimagined Conference that Katie and I are putting on in October in the Los Angeles area, where we are going to be continuing our quest of talking about the interplay of the personal, private, and professional lives that all of us have so we can continue to live, breathe, and practice as whole person therapists. I would like to once again thank James for coming on to our show today. And yeah, thanks, James. <laughs> and until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, use promo code MODERN for two free months. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.